Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, guys. You may be seated. Isn't it, hasn't it been an absolutely incredible service so far? Aren't you glad you came to church on Mother's Day in order just to receive that beautiful blessing and uh, what has taken place in this beautiful house? I want you to know that you live in a beautiful place. Edgemead is beautiful. Guys, Edgemead is beautiful. But if you need reminding, I am happy to be your tour guide uh, in Johannesburg. Um, Particularly, we have two campuses, one in Edenvale. It's a better community-looking community. But Boxburg, I am able to take you on a tour, all of Boxburg, if you would like. And then we can compare the view that I drove with Joe this morning. Thank you, Joe. And I was like, look at the mountain. All I get to see is a mine dump. So it is beautiful, uh, but it is really an honor and a privilege to be with you. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the building. Uh, Honestly, thank you for everything that you do. Everything that you do in the unseen moments, uh, when everybody's asleep or at school or, you know, wherever they might be, in the quiet of your heart while you're praying for those kids and whether they're giant kids like mine now um, or, or small babies, whatever it is that you do, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are literally the heart of God um, here on earth and it's such a beautiful thing. I also want to acknowledge anyone for whom today might be a difficult day may have lost a mom, may not uh, be able to conceive at this moment, but we have faith that our God can do the impossible. And just want to hold space for you today and say, like, I realize this may be a difficult moment for many. And we're praying that the Holy Spirit will just come upon you in power and that he will do what he does best and that he will comfort uh, you today. I want to thank your incredible pastors, uh, all of them, Pastor Dan and Leandri, firstly, for the invite, for being family. I feel like you're family. It's like my brother, Dan. Um, And just for your hearts, I want to say that your pastors are doing an incredible job of helping. Yeah, let's give them a hand. You know, this community feels like home. This community feels like a place where the love of God is and where the heart of God is present and where the people of God are hungry for the heart of God. And that's all because your pastors have led you to such an incredible space. And your wisdom and your discernment and your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit um, is literally beyond your years. And it's an honor to be in your, in your house. And I cannot wait to cheer you on as God opens more and more doors for your giftings, both of you together. I also want to, um, in their absence, uh, honor your founding pastors, Pastor Pedro and Bobby. Growing up in a pastor's home, 
I know the sacrifices they have made. The blood, sweat, and tears they have sown into this place, the finances they have given, and the sacrifices. And it's only because of them that we stand on their shoulders. And we have this incredible space that we get to call home and that we get to belong in because of what they have sown. Come on, in their absence, let's give them a huge round of applause. And thank you for the team here. Joe, thank you. Roseanne, Mark. Uh, Taryn, the one, the, everyone I know, thank you for making me just feel so at home. Would you be so kind as to stand to your feet? Um, it would be a privilege and honor for me to open this sermon with some prayer. If you would like, you could place your hand on your heart, you could open your hands, whatever you feel comfortable with. But let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for your presence in this place. We are grateful that Scripture tells us that where two or three of us are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. And so we do not take this moment for granted. We do not take it lightly because we know that the presence of God is here. We know that you are a corporate God, but you are also a personal God. And that in this moment, in this corporate space, you have a personal word for each and every one of us today. And so we open our ears, we open our hearts, we let go of anything that may be distracting us, even that Mother's Day lunch, which could be burning, and we ask you to speak to us in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thank you, may be seated. So with today being Mother's Day, I thought that I'd start by mentioning something incredible about moms. Moms are just extraordinary in the most, they are just extraordinary in the most ordinary ways. It's, it's unbelievable. You give a mother something and she will turn it. And it will be greater and better in her hands. Uh, you give a mother a sperm and it becomes a baby. You give her a house and it will become a home. You give her groceries, except for the little boy on the screen, uh, and it will become a meal, right? You give her a smile, and she'll give you your heart. You give her something ordinary, and it will become extraordinary. It is a gift that God has placed within each mother. It's a gift for greatness. It's a gift that when we are given something, we multiply from us. But friends, to be truthful, this is not just a gift that God has given mothers. It's a gift that he has given each of us as human beings. It is a gift that when he gives to us, we take what he has given. We take the ordinary, mundane, and we can turn it into something extraordinary. And so the title of the message this morning is The Extraordinary Touch of Ordinary People. The extraordinary touch of ordinary people just like you and I, friends. And today I'd like to teach from a biblical account, a historical account of a guy by the name of Moses. And you may have heard of Moses, but for most of today, if I remember, we're going to call him Mo. Because Mo is not the main character of my story today. He's there. He's there a lot, right? But today I'm going to speak about the six women that played an ordinary role in his life, that touched his life. And because of the ordinary role that they played in, in his life, 
he became an extraordinary leader. And so most of these women who I'm going to be talking about uh, today are mothers in some way or another. You can do that study for yourself. But it is the ordinariness of these women going about their ordinary, everyday lives that helped them to turn Moses into an extraordinary leader. And so if you're wondering where this historical account is found, you'll find it in Exodus, and it's pretty much a large portion of Exodus that you can read through in the week. I'm going to summarize it just because of the sake of time today. But we pick up the story in the book of, in the book of Exodus where a new pharaoh comes into power. And this new pharaoh, he comes into power and he looks at the Israelite army, uh, the Israelite slaves, and he thinks that they are way too strong. They are gaining in power. Uh, they are gaining in numbers. And he thinks that the Egyptians are going to be in trouble if this Israelite slave nation keeps growing, that eventually they're going to end up overthrowing the Egyptians. And so he comes up with a plan, a plan to weaken the nation of Israel. And his first plan is to increase the workload. His first plan is, well, these slaves need to work harder. They need to work harder. And so he takes away some of their tools. He takes away, uh, he, he lifts the work requirements, and he thinks to himself, if I make them work harder, that they will not be able to go home and sleep with their wives. And that way the nation will stop expanding. But it never worked. It didn't matter how tired they were. They went home, slept with their wives, and the nation of Israel kept growing in power. Then he thought to himself, well, plan A didn't work. I need to come up with a plan B. And so he went in and he thought, hmm, how could I do this? I have an idea. I'm going to employ two midwives. And their names were Shifra and Pua. Now, I just need to stop here for a moment. My name is Chicken. And I thought that was bad, right? And you were polite. There was no clucking when I came on stage. Uh, there was no laughing when, he, uh, when Dan said Candace Chicken is with us. But I would hate the name Pua. Who calls their kid Pua? Hey, Pua, come here. You know, who does that? Anyway, so he employs two midwives by the name of Shifra and Pua. Unfortunate name. And he says, I have a plan. As the Israelites are giving birth, I want you to go in as a midwife and every single male that is born during the birth process, I want you to kill the males. Not the girls, they're okay, just the males. And Shifra and Pua came together and they thought, we can't do this. We are, our job, our whole existence, our ordinary life is to bring life into this world, uh, to celebrate life, to help people to bring life into this world. We cannot do this. And so together, this is key, together they decided to defy Pharaoh. And so when they were called in, Pharaoh asks them, I don't understand. I'm seeing so many male, uh, males being born uh, to the Israelites. What's happening? And so their plan was they came together and discussed this plan. And they said, well, by the time we get to the Israelite ladies, they have already popped those babies out. Uh, there's no need for us. They had no jewelers. They had no epidurals. They had no... Any of those things, we get there and their babies are well and alive. So there's absolutely no need for us. I mean, how, how incredible is the story that together these ladies came together and decided to defy Pharaoh. 
Friends, there's such a lesson for us from Shifra and Pua. And the lesson is that their connection to each other saved a nation. The scripture goes on to say that because they defied Pharaoh, which I didn't mention earlier, because they defied Pharaoh, God gave them families of their own. Because they honored God above Pharaoh. Friends, I'm here today with a simple message a simple yet profound message that we were meant like Shifra and Pua to be connected to one another. We can't, they could not have defied Pharaoh alone. I believe that with all of my being. It took the community of people together, a community of people to stand up together uh, to defy Pharaoh and then to be connected to one another. Friends, I believe that Satan's chief goal has been to steal kill and destroy from us. And the thing that he has tried, tried to steal from us is our connection to one another. What did COVID do? It made us insular. What did COVID do? It made us afraid of one another. It made us withdraw from one another. And I am encouraged to step back into connection. Join a life group. Join a serving team. If you've been here week in and week out and you've been seeing uh, in June, there's a new welcome home uh, dinner Join the welcome home dinner. Get connected to the family here because we were never meant to do life alone. Our salvation is personal, but it is not private, friends. Our salvation is meant to take place in community where together we can sit around God's word, where together we can say, I don't understand this scripture. Can you help me understand it? Oh, is that what it means? Or, or where together we're like, I am having a tough day. And we pray for one another. And we are the body of Christ together. Or we come in and say, and we celebrate our engagement. That is meant to be done in the context of community. So can I encourage you, friends, like these ordinary midwives, one of the ways that our lives are extraordinary is by the fact that we are connected as humans. We are meant for connection and we are meant to connect with one another. Continuing with the story, the Bible doesn't record Pharaoh's response. Uh, all he does is move on to plan C. Plan A didn't work, plan B didn't work, and so he moves on to plan C. And plan C is where he decrees that every Israelite boy who is born is to be thrown into the Nile River and drown, left to drown. And so this is plan C, and he decrees this plan at the same time there is this wonderful Jewish couple. They meet. They fall in love. They have their first uh, child by the name of Miriam. Uh, they fall pregnant again as any good Jewish family, their second child. They have another son, uh, uh, their first son, and his name is Aaron. A little while later, they fall pregnant with their third son. But the problem is the king's decree has come into power at this time. And now along with all the problems of pregnancy, right? All the complications of morning sickness and nausea and cravings and like delirium, you know, where your brain isn't thinking clearly and, all, and two other children running around. With all, now this mother is fervently praying, please let this be a girl, please let this be a girl, please let this be a girl, because she doesn't want to kill her son. Which mother wants to throw her son into a Nile river to die? 
And so the day for the delivery comes and God didn't hear her prayer. Right? God didn't hear her prayer. And she had a boy. And the moment she looked at her son, she was like, "Uh uh-uh, there's something different about my boy. He's not going into the Nile River. There is something different. And so she proceeds to hide him, but she can only do that for so long. I mean, you cannot hide a baby for that long. And so after three months of hiding him and nursing him, she comes up with a creative solution. And her creative solution is, I am going to listen to the king, the pharaoh. I'm going to push him out on the Nile, but... I'm not going to let him drown. I'm going to give him his own ark. And she creates a basket. And she puts her little son in this basket. And she pushes him out onto the Nile River. She comes up with a creative solution. Friends, what I love and what we learn is as humanity, in our ordinariness, God gives us the ability to have extraordinarily creative ideas because our God is a creative God. He created the the heavens and the earth and the stars and the sun and the moon. He came up with the whole idea of us being on this planet. And so we serve that God. And that God can breathe that creativity into us as well. And so I believe in this moment that there are people who are struggling with situations Work situations, marriage situations. You're struggling with figuring out what to do next. Scripture tells us in James, and it's going to be on the screen, that if we lack wisdom, we should ask our generous generous God, and he will not withhold uh, from us that which we need. Friends, if you are struggling with something, ask God for a creative idea. Ask him for a creative way to come up with the solution to the problem, and he will give it to you. That's one way that our ordinariness becomes extraordinary when we ask God uh, to help us in this way. So picking up the story again, what you know for sure is no mother, no mother would leave their three-month-old alone without any supervision, right? I mean, there's no way I'd leave my three-month-old alone. And so Mo's mother sends his sister, who is five at the time, to, to go after her brother. And she is given a course. Look after your brother, your number one goal, your number one responsibility. When I looked at the story, I thought, oh my gosh. If that was my five-year-old and my three-month-old, he would be a goner. <laughs> she would aid in his drowning. Like, she would not be like, Yes, let's look after it. But she'd be like, the ark sunk, mom. You know? Uh, But this five-year-old had a cause. And her cause was to watch her little brother. Friends, what we learn from Miriam, and the the story's going to unpack some more. But what we learn from Miriam is that we were created in our ordinary humanity to live for something bigger than ourselves. There are people right throughout time who have changed history with their ordinary little lives, and they've done something extraordinary. Here's a couple of examples. Mother Mary, Mother Teresa, Florence Nightingale, Rosa Parks, Malala Yousafzai, Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela, And the list goes on and on. 
everyday, ordinary human beings who changed history. They made an extraordinary impact on the whole world because of their lives. Friends, what cause are you living for? What one thing bigger than yourself are you living for? Or are you living for your family? Just the four of us and our walls, you know? Our little home. And, but is, or is there something that you need the Holy Spirit to spark within you? That he can ignite a passion for something beyond yourself and your family. There is a cause within you. There are a few causes in this church, and I know that your pastors and leaders would love to link you up to them. Perhaps you want to teach at Kids Church. Impact the next generation. That's a cause bigger than yourself. It's like what pastors Pedro and Barbie did. They left a legacy that we are now have the privilege of standing in. Right? Imagine the impact you could make if you served at Kids Church or at Fasangtakral or visiting a prison, right? Or volunteering to see the elderly at a home nearby. They are lonely and isolated. Just an hour or two a week, cup of coffee with someone in a home. Imagine the difference you could make. Raising funds for hospice, going on a missions trip. Is there a cause that is bigger than yourself that you could live for? Nelson Mandela, he said this, There is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Are you living a life that is less than the one that you are capable of living? Because if you are, I'm encouraging you to connect your life to a cause. Carrying on with the story, this little ark makes its way down the Nile River, lands in some reeds, and Pharaoh's daughter just so happens, God incidents, just so happens to land in the bulrushes near where she's bathing. And so she asks her servant to bring the little ark close to her, and she opens up the ark, and inside, at the right moment, that baby cries. And in that moment, her heart is filled with compassion. And Miriam, who's on a cause, runs to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Hey, I know the perfect person who could nurse this baby for you. And she's like, That would be wonderful. Would you find that person? And she runs back to her mom. Hey, mom, we need you to come and nurse your own son. And guess what? You're going to get paid for nursing your own son. <laughs> Guys, I want to go back. I would like to be paid for nursing my own son, okay? And so she comes, she nurses her son. A Pharaoh's heart is filled with compassion. And in that moment, she becomes an adoptive mom. I know many of you in this auditorium who are adoptive moms. Hearts have been filled with compassion. You know, what is compassion? Well, compassion literally means to suffer together. It's defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. And so Pharaoh's daughter, realizing that this is an Israelite boy, has compassion on him and moves to save him. Friends, what does this mean for us? 
What does this mean for us like 2,000 years later, even more, uh, years later? What does this mean for us? Friends, our ordinary lives are meant for so much more than what they are currently. We can show compassion in extraordinary ways to everyone we come into contact with. We don't have to do anything incredibly amazing. What we can do is buy a loaf of bread when we come out of the shop. You know, my son, he has the softest heart. On the way into the shops, he, he counts how many people he can see that we need to buy bread for. And then he says, Mom, please can we buy three loaves of bread? I saw three people I want to give bread to. And on the way out, uh, we give bread. That's not a lot, guys. That's 30 rand, right? Let's have eyes to see and have compassion to those around us. Let's greet the car park attendant. Let's greet the teller who scans our groceries. Let's tell, I wish them to have a beautiful day. Let's open the door uh, for an elderly person and not bash our way past them. Let's have compassion. Uh, Let's buy loaves of bread wherever we can. Let's buy cups of coffee. Let's sit with those who are grieving. Guys, we don't have to say anything. Your presence speaks louder than your words. You know, many times we think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say if I go to this grieving person. You just take a bunch of flowers. You just take your presence and you be with the person. Come on, let's have compassion. Luke 6, 36 says, try to show as much compassion as your father. Friends, this is work for us. It doesn't come naturally. Only when we become more like Jesus does it come more naturally. But for us, it's something we need to try and show more compassion. And so the historical accounts of Mo continues. And for the sake of time, I'm going to take about 20 chapters of Scripture and condense it into two paragraphs. So I need you to stick with me as close as you can. I'm going to jump some giant hurdles, and we're going to continue with our journey. And so Mo is, is weaned off of his mother's milk, and he start, grows up in the temple. He grows up in Pharaoh's courts with the best education in the land and becomes one um, of the Egyptians. One day he's surveying the land. He's checking that everything is as it should be. He's ensuring that the Egyptians uh, are enforcing the correct amount of, uh, of labor on the Israelites, but he then sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and within him, a righteous anger rises up, and he kills his own people. He kills an Egyptian, and then he gets found out, and then he has to run away, and so he he runs into the desert, fearing for his life, because now he's killed someone, he could be next, and he spends 40 years in the desert, where he lives shepherding sheep, uh, where he, he marries a beautiful woman by the name of Zipporah, where they have a child together, uh, where he then sees this miraculous burning bush and God speaks to him out of this burning bush that doesn't burn. And God calls him back to Egypt to go and free the Israelites uh, from slavery. And on his way, On his way, it says that he was with his wife, Zipporah. He was with his son. They had a child together, an an older son by now. He was with his brother, Aaron. And on their way, they slept the night at an inn. And they stayed at basically a motel, is what it sounds like. And in the night, God came. It's the most bizarre story you will ever hear. God came to kill Moses. 
And in that moment, Zipporah, his wife and mother, steps between God and Moses. And she cuts her son's foreskin off. She circumcises him with a stone, a sharp stone, and then throws the foreskin at her husband's feet. Okay, it's very weird. I know. I can see your faces. I get it. She throws the foreskin at his feet and then says that this is the blood covenant, basically, is what she says. Now, I don't want us, there's a million interpretations of the story and what it means and why it's there. But the bottom line is that Zipporah was courageous. In adversity, she stood between God and Moses. And the moment she flung that foreskin, God left and did not try and kill Moses because Moses had been disobedient and had not circumcised his son as he should have. It is the most bizarre story. Just if you take a step back, can you imagine a 13-year-old boy going, Mom, what are you doing? And what are you doing with the sharp stone, Mom? Couldn't you at least use a knife? Uh, And I mean, ladies, you've got great ammunition here. If your husband says you're losing the plot, you, you can say, listen, at least I never circumcised my son and threw the foreskin at your feet. I mean, great ammunition. You can't be as crazy as that. I mean, but what we learn from this is that Zipporah, not Moses, not Aaron, Zipporah had courage to step into adversity. Zipporah had courage. Friends, right throughout Scripture, right throughout Scripture, there are people who have stood up in courage, and Zipporah was one of us, but not right throughout Scripture only. In our ordinary, everyday lives, I have seen human beings step up in, and become courageous in adverse circumstances. Can I give you a couple of examples? There's people who've had courage to get an education despite their lack of resources. There's people who've had courage to face terminal illnesses. There are people who have uh, had courage through emotional abuse. There's people who've had courage through molestation. There's people who've had courage to fight cancer after cancer. There's people who've had courage in the face of infertility where IVF after IVF after IVF has not worked and they still have courage and hope. There are people who have courage through panic attacks, through anxiety, to de- through depression. There are people that stand up and have courage uh, who, who are climbing the corporate ladders in, in places where they, they wouldn't ordinarily thrive. There are people who have courage to single parent. There are people who have courage to parent children with special needs. There are people who have courage through health challenges. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Ordinary, everyday people making a significant difference because of the courage of their lives, the courage that makes them extraordinary. Today, church, I'd like to remind you of your uniqueness. You and I, even in our ordinary humanity, were made to be courageous. Because the Spirit of God resides in you and the Spirit of God resides in me. And because of that, we can rise in courage. You know, Deuteronomy 31 verses 6, it says this. So be strong and courageous. Some of you came to church today just to hear this. You can forget everything else I said. Be strong and courageous. I don't know what you're facing. 
I don't know the circumstances you are encountering. I don't know, but what I do know is that God's word, it tells us to be strong and courageous, and it's not in our own strength. Friends, if you keep reading the scripture, it says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. God has not failed you, friend. And if you feel like he has failed you, it is not the end of your story. Our God has not abandoned us. He will not fail us. And so in our ordinary, everyday humanity, we can have extraordinary courage. We can have extraordinary courage because the courage of Christ, the entheos, the Holy Spirit within us helps us to rise up. And so as I close today, I'd like us to take a moment just a moment to think about our ordinary touch and how it has extraordinary results. And that God has purposed us and he's made each of us uniquely. Which one of these five areas, and they're going to be on the screen, which one of these five areas, friends, do you need the Holy Spirit to prompt to do something? Is it your connection to each other? Are you disconnected? Are you lonely? Can I encourage you to make a decision today to sign up, to sign up to be connected to a life group, to sign up to be connected to other people? Do not do this life alone. You will not make it, friends. We need each other. If you're watching online, I'm so glad that you're watching online. But if there's any way you can be in the building... I want to encourage you to be in the building because it's in this place that the presence of God is moving. And it's in this place that community takes place where we can lay our hands on you and pray with and for you. Don't miss church. Be in the building if at all possible. I love that we have online, for instances, when we're sick or away, but being in the building is where the presence of God resides. Do you need a creative solution to a problem? If that's you, and you know, I've got this problem, and I've just hit a wall. I just keep bashing my head against this wall. Ask the creator of the universe to help you to come up with a creative solution, and he will give it to you. Scripture says he's a good and faithful God. When you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. When you ask for something loving, he's not going to punish you for it. He wants to lavish all of his wisdom on you. Perhaps it's number three. You've just been living for yourselves, living for your own life. Have nothing that ignites a passion within you. Ask God for a cause, a cause that could ignite you to make a difference in the world around you. Perhaps you need more compassion. Perhaps you've literally been walking around with anger, resentment, with a lack of compassion and passion for others. The Holy Spirit can give you a compassion, eyes to see, eyes to see, a heart to feel. Or perhaps you need courage. 
Perhaps you came today and you just thought, I cannot take one more step. I cannot take one more step. The Holy Spirit is here. His power is here. And he can give you the courage. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God that courage rises up in you. So right where you are, I'm going to be quiet for a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to drop that into your heart and mind. What one area, just one thing, do you need to move towards today? So friends, it's these five things that made Jesus' touch extraordinary. He was deeply connected to the 12. He reclined at tables with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He broke bread with them. He was creative in his solutions. You know, he made plans where there was, you know, five loaves and two fish. He made a plan to multiply bread. He touched people. He met people. He was completely and utterly committed to his father's cause. And his father's cause was to bring heaven to earth. May your kingdom come on earth is what his father's cause was. He had compassion to those in need. He would step out from the boat. And scripture would say that when he saw them, he had compassion on them because they were, they were sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. He saw people and he had compassion on them. And then he had courage, deep courage in the face of a cross. And it was that cross that he injured that opened the way for you and I to experience his extraordinary touch. And in a moment today, I'm going to ask that we respond to that extraordinary touch, that our lives, our ordinary everyday lives can be touched by the extraordinary power of God. And it requires of us that we acknowledge that He is the Son of God, uh, that He wanted a friendship with us right from the beginning of time. He wanted a friendship with us. But that Adam and Eve, they messed that up for us, friends. And they sinned. And so He had to make a plan, a creative solution. And so He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross in my place and for my sin. And not only mine, but for yours as well. And so that we could be reconciled back to God, that we could be made friends with God again. And so in a moment, could I ask for every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed today, as we take a moment to respond to His invitation. And it's a beautiful invitation of friendship. Do you want to invite Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Would you like to invite Him to be your friend? Would you like His, your ordinary life to be touched by His extraordinary power? Then on the count of three in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. And this is not so I can do anything weird, but rather that I can include you in a prayer, a prayer of surrender, 
a prayer uh, offering up your, your one and only life to serve and to follow and to love Him. And so with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you would like the extraordinary touch of God on your life, if you would like to invite Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, then would you pop up your hand? Thank you. I already see hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Hands over here. Hands over here. You want to invite Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Thank you in the balcony. I see your hand over there. I'm looking in the balcony. If that's you, thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. You would like His extraordinary touch on your life. Then won't you raise your hand? I believe there's a couple more people in the middle bank. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you at the back. I see your hand. If you're feeling some butterflies in your stomach, you're feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit, respond now. There's no one looking around. I'd love to include you in my prayer. It's the last call. Thank you. I see your hand over there. Last call. I'm looking around. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to include you in my prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you would pray it in your hearts alongside me and just say amen together, you're welcome to put your hands down. Dear Lord Jesus, for far too long, I've kept you out of my life. And I know that all along you've wanted a friendship with me, but that my sin had separated me from you. And so by faith today, I receive your gift of salvation. And I'm ready to trust and follow you as the Lord of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God and who died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my heart today and be my personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray for your extraordinary touch to be on my ordinary life. In your name we pray this. Amen. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.